I'm Alex Stone, former military service member and law enforcement officer, now CEO of Echelon Protected Services, one of the fastest growing private security firms on the West Coast. And this is Ride Along. where our guests and I witness firsthand the issues affecting our community. I believe our proven method of enacting meaningful change through compassion and understanding is the best way to make our streets a safer place and truly achieve security through community. Welcome to the channel. Alex Stone here with Reed Kerr. Both of us spent several years in law enforcement. We're here to use our expertise to talk about the streets of Portland, the streets of other cities, going over body cam footage, talking to security companies, and trying to get down to exactly what public safety is about, helping people. When I drove back from Oregon and was pulling yeah. in Oregon and I called you, yeah. what were you thinking? Oh, shit. This is real. That's what went through my head. And how long had we been talking about this for, and where were we talking about Gosh, maybe, what, six weeks to three months in earnest, maybe six weeks? Yeah, and... You called me and said, hey, my I just put my house for sale. Yeah. And then three days later, you said, hey, yeah. I just sold my house. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. I mean, you know, you're starting a company, you yep. know, and... You, we, we had one client. No paperwork, mind you. <laughs> no, didn't sign no, no, no. Handshake, hand, not even handshake deal because yeah. you're in another state. This is voice over yeah. cell phone deal. I'm in Oregon, Washington. Yeah. He's in Oklahoma. And no handshake, right? And Reed, Reed just uh, packs his entire family, two kids, a wife, and they just make their way up to the Northwest Territory. And here we are, you know. Um, gosh. And the first week, I mean... How crazy was your first week at work? You remember that? Yeah, my first week at work. That was crazy. Uh, I had my appendix taken out. That happened. Uh, I got punched in the stomach where my appendix had just gotten taken That's out. That's right. That's right. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And uh, got to experience firsthand what it was like to be a security guard. And I can say that it was really humbling but I realized really quick that it was a mm. difficult job that not a lot of people give credit to. No. So how was that transition? You know, we each transitioned out of law enforcement and we can get into those backstories for, for our audience here, but the transition is very unique, right? It's, it's literally night and day. And yeah. I think that that's like people assume it's the same industry. They, they do. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. Oh, you're doing yeah. the same thing. You both wear. You you're just a rent a cop. It's totally different. And That's right. I think the the best description I could give is humbling. Just to simply put it, it was so humbling to go from being 
a security guard or a police officer, mind you, to a mm. security guard. And not just going from being a police officer to a security guard, but being a police officer where I was and where I was a police officer, uh, cops were generally pretty respected. I mean, it's still a tough job, yeah. but yeah. it was a, a, a respected profession to a part of the country where whether you're security or law enforcement, there's a, a large group of mm-hmm. people who don't appreciate what you do. And so, yeah, my transition was really tough. I had to, to learn really quick that what I was doing was completely different, even though in my head, in my cop head, I thought it was the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And what about you? Same thing. Uh, you know, in law enforcement, you, you're, you're granted the authority of the constitution yeah. of the government to conduct investigations, to make detentions, you know, and, and you're, you're granted this authority over people's lives. And, and we use that, you know, obviously everything has to be legal, ethical, and moral. And we're using that in order to create safety for the general welfare. You know, you're protecting the general welfare of the public and, and security. It's so, it's so unique because that's not your job. You don't have any authority really, except on private property or protecting private persons and beginning to understand those two different roles and just how unique they are, um, was really difficult. I had about a six month transition period. I think it took really six months. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you completely. And I think we were, we were both going through it at the same time and we kind of came together and said, and this is really an, a, just another part of this conversation, a little bit larger, but when Reed and I started the company, you know, in, in our, in our industry, in the security industry, there's really two types of, of models for security. There's the observe and report, which is the, probably, I would say the majority of the security out there. Probably 80%. Yeah. At least 80%. Yeah. yeah. And and then you have what what I like to call the quasi you know law enforcement model, and with observe and report that only works if someone's going to show up. And in a lot of the cities nowadays, you know, in the Chicago's, in the Portland's, in the Seattle's, San Francisco's, LA's, the, the emergency services they are so lacking. You can't. No one's going to show up. That was just to touch on that. That was uh, talk about shocker. Yeah, your when first arrest. My just not just that, but just my first experience of calling nine one one in a major city that didn't have mm-hmm. uh, the ability to, to to operate efficiently because of resources or whatever. I remember that first call and just sitting there going, "I don't think they're going to show up," and yeah. that was freaky. So I come out here. Tell me about what it was like like our first contract and working that first contract, what you learned, what you experienced, what was that like? So the first contract we had first week I'm working, I get a call and a guy gets stabbed with a katana sword through his body in the lobby of the building. Was that, was that like middle of the day, middle of the day, just, Random drug deal gone bad. No guns involved. Just a katana sword. And so were you like on the site? <laughs> no, I was not on the site. No, no. Because the site did not have 24-hour security. They could only for eight hours a day. So where now, were you? You were just... I was in my van sleeping because I was homeless. Okay, so you're just sleeping. That's another story. We'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get yeah. to that. So you're just sleeping in your van. I'm sleeping in my van at McDonald's. You get a call from like, who calls you? The A gentleman who sits on the board mm-hmm. for this investment group. Mm-hmm. who at this time is not really a friend yet. He's a friend of a friend. 
and kind of oversees a hundred plus properties and multiple Western states. And he says, Hey, where the F are you at? Someone just got stabbed with an effing sword. I need you here now. <laughs> That's pretty much the call. Yeah. And, uh, show up. And the crazy thing is we like years later, we've Narcan this guy multiple times saved his life. It's, you know, it's, in this type of work, you're always seeing the same person over and over and over again. Yes, you are. The, today's victim is tomorrow's, uh, you know, whatever suspect, which is who's tomorrow's witness. So I, I show up and, you know, we capture the guy, we arrest him, cops take him right. and uh, attempted murder. And that actually went through, you know, that the VA actually charged that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yes. From there, I mean, what was your expectation versus what actually happened? My expectation was that that I we could build really good cases. I could hand this off to law enforcement. Law enforcement would come in and arrest people. Mm-hmm. You know, make 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 appropriate decisions, mm-hmm. right? Trespass certain individuals, and the property would just get cleaned up by law enforcement. I was expecting an observant report, but a very professional observation mm-hmm. from someone who's done good investigative work as in law enforcement. Um, you know, I've done death investigations, sex crimes. So I figured, you know, I'll write really good reporting. Mm-hmm. I'll get connected to the district attorney or one of the ADAs, mm-hmm. assistant district attorneys, and I'll, we'll get law enforcement involved. They're going to be really stoked because we're handing them off all this great work and they're going to be able to turn it in to their sergeant and everyone's going to be super happy because they closed a lot of cases. Right. And that I did, I mean, I would be on hold for 45 minutes, sometimes an hour, hour and a half. Mm-hmm. With law, with nine one one, trying to get an officer just to show up to major felonies, major crimes. Um, I mean, I don't know if you remember this call, but there's a female that was she just went she walked from one property across the street to a store, and was beat up by three people on the way there and robbed her phone, her purse, and it it took law enforcement almost two hours to show up, and this lady was bleeding. I mean, it was it, it's just incredible, you know, the lack of resources. So you so. you had this game plan. I'm, we're going into this property. We're going to professional observe and report. We're going to build some relationship with law enforcement and with, that's right. you know, with DAs and then you hit a brick wall. Yeah. So what happens next? Well, I called Reed Kerr and I said, Hey, uh, I got this awesome company. You should quit your career in law enforcement, throw your pension away and come help me build this company. I, I think, I remember you telling me that. I remember you asking me that and us talking about it. Uh, it took a while. It didn't just happen overnight. Yeah. It took some real uh, time. And to this day, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know why I did it. What did your wife think? That was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was psycho. Because, uh, I mean, Reed was a great police officer. You had the number at one of your departments. Didn't you have the most arrests in a year? I did. Yes. I mean, you're a canine, you're a narcotics interdiction officer with a canine, right? So you're doing detection work with a canine and also patrol work with a canine, dual certified canine. Yeah. You done, you done SWAT stuff. And look, you know, there are guys out there that are obviously better in law enforcement than us. 10 times. Um, I'm not saying that we were like the gold standard. Definitely not. Maybe the Keystone cop standard, maybe. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> Like more, have y'all ever seen Andy Griffith? Like I would say, like Barney Fife. I was style. thinking more of the the park ranger 
from uh, Yogi Bear. Yeah, pretty much. He was yeah. trying to get the picnic basket. Yeah, back. that's the kind of. Like, <laughs> but I, I basically, I I remember, and it was I, I honestly don't know why I did it, but I just made the decision like this: we're doing it. Yeah, let's yeah. do this. Yeah. And you know, for me, I had a very similar experience. I had a very similar mindset because I only thought one way, which is exactly what you thought, because that's the only tool that I had in my tool belt. Yeah, and. The Constitution. Yeah, well, just... The, yeah, those just, executive power yeah. powers, man. Yeah. So, yeah, and and I believed in the idea that that's how things get fixed. But what's what's yeah. funny is uh, I kind of came to the same conclusion you did in, in going, there's got to be... There's got to be a different way to do this. Yeah. Observing report isn't working. No. Acting like law enforcement, even though a lot of companies do it, you're essentially, it's bad. You, well, you, you, they I, become bullies. Yeah, I think that on like a on a small level, and I think you understand this, people on the street, you, you have really two choices when you do that law enforcement model. And I, I've said this before, anybody that knows me, if you're not a cop, mm. don't act like you're a cop. That's right. Because cops right. don't like that, and we're former cops, and we definitely don't like that. No. So if you're not a cop, no. don't act like a cop. It, no one likes that. Like, people don't like it. The public doesn't like it. Cops don't like. Nobody likes it. No one likes and you. Quit it. The people that job. will know immediately are professional criminals. Yeah, because and they've been around cops. They've lived with cops because they've been in prison, and they know when you're not a cop. And that's the crux of it: is you really mm -hmm. have two options. Option one is is when you uh, present yourself as as having authority that you don't have. Option one is you punk out. So when yep. you get called on that, because yeah, I'd say right. probably the reason why it works is because 70% of the time, people don't call you out. That's right. 70% of the time, you do that, they say, okay, whatever, and they leave or whatever happens. The 30% of people who don't and say, wait a minute, no. You have two options. You either punk out, which right. anybody on the streets knows, basically is just saying, yeah, okay, never mind, my bad. That you've given up all credit you're done at that point. You've, you've lost that situation. You've lost long term because you're presenting yourself as being able to do something mm -hmm. and you don't. And people don't, on the streets don't have respect for that. I mean, yeah, people don't have respect yeah. for that anywhere, but especially the streets. Number two, you either have to double down and do something that you don't have the authority to do. And that's what results in lawsuits and nobody likes lawsuits. So, uh, well, lawyers, lawyers like, well, lawyers, yeah, like lawyers, lawyers like lawsuits. <laughs> that yeah. too makes money there. Yeah, exactly. We know that. So, uh, but yeah, so so we didn't go with that model because that doesn't work. No. What did we do? What, what were we, what did we? What did we do? Reed? What were we going to do? We were in a in a place where we weren't growing as a company. Yep. Because we didn't have our business model down. Yep. We didn't know. No, we didn't know our mission. Yep. We didn't have a vision. I think. We had core values, and I think that we have matching value. I think that we yeah. share the same value system. I think we had a semi-vision, but I don't think the vision was on par with what would actually yeah. work. No, we had the wrong vision. I think. I think <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I think, yeah. We, I, I think from the beginning, our vision was to be really, really good. Yeah. And I think, yeah. so our current vision is to be the standard bearer of security, which is basically a fancy way of saying we want to be really, really good. The problem is we didn't know what the hell we were going to be good at. And we didn't know what good meant in this industry. Yeah. We, we knew what good was. Being tactical, you know, sound uh, reports. Squared away uniforms. Squared away uniforms, you know, a really good form. Knowing a lot of Jocko quotes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> Right, that's uh, what people think. Yeah, and 
to be honest, it was none of that. No. Uh, no. So for me, uh, I, I'm just going to go over one thing that uh, was like, this is step one. It always came back to team. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, obviously we're security through community. We're big on the community. But at the end of the day, uh, we have the mentality that if your house isn't in order, then how are you going to take care of everybody else? And so that was kind of my change. That was my yeah. shift from, ooh, I'm a, you know, I'm, 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 we're going to come in and fix this property and company and all this stuff to let's make it about the people that work with us. Yeah. And everything should be focused on them. Yeah. We, we should sacrifice for them. We should pay them money we don't have. We should do everything we can so that our people yeah. feel supported. And yeah. obviously there's learning curves in that because we some did that. people take advantage. But at the end of the day, uh, that's the, the, the first building block yeah. of the security through community is realizing that we needed mm -hmm. to start within ourselves. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Secondly, I think you, you can touch on this, but aside from forming our own community within our group and, and building that, that, uh, and brotherhood's the wrong term, but building that camaraderie, building that trust, mm -hmm. right? Every leader, every person who has a leader wants trust and communication. And I felt like that was, that was 100% what we were trying to do is get people to trust us mm -hmm. and communicate to them the mission, vision, values, and goals in their future. That's right. So there was that. Um, aside from mm -hmm. that point too, though, what, what do you feel like was your focus? Because you, you're, mm -hmm. you're definitely CEO. You're definitely yeah. big picture. You're definitely somebody that, although you have the ability to do the small painting, you're somebody that takes big strokes. So what yeah. was your vision of like, okay, I'm going to allow Reed to focus on team. I'm going to focus on team, but where are we going and how do we get there? What, what was that conversation like in your head and how did you get to point A to point B? You know, what connected those dots for me was finding our, you know, our, our operations model. <clears throat> and it's something that you and I, you know, flushed out over, gosh, several months. And it's learning how to, number one, not, not be observe and report, not be that law enforcement model. You know, we basically, we just sat down and said, what, and I really think it, you know, the first people need to understand when we took this, the contracts we took over, it's not like we were just like supposed to sit around and watch TV monitors. No, these were the highest call volume properties for law enforcement in their districts. There's for an only, entire precinct. For an entire in precinct. In a major city. In a major city. In one of the worst cities. Yes. Arguably. You're talking -wise. 15 major calls for service a day at one property. Major calls meaning active domestics, gun, prostitution. I mean, major calls. And so we took another property in a, yeah. in a suburb that is ran down, a ran down area. And it was the highest call volume property in that entire patrol area for an entire law enforcement agency. And it was so bad that the, that, that region, right. That governmental entity was going to start charging a tax for every time they had to show up. Yep. And they, and they didn't know what to do. It, it was, it was bad. There were, as a gang, you, you, I was going to say you're touching on it, but yeah. how did we get that contract? Let's start there and then explain from there how we started to develop our model. But I think it's important to touch on how we got our second contract.
Well, from I, I don't know where you're going with that, but I, I know where I'm going with this. I so, would love to see where you're going yeah. with this. So that contract came when we chose what our model was going to be. And, you know, Reed and I arrested a lot of people at first. I mean, we made dozens and dozens of arrests and there was never a prosecution. And we trespassed a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so we, you, you know, you still have to do some of that enforcement stuff. And when I say enforcement, I mean protecting your own rights, your property rights, right? And that's really what security is for, to protect people's rights. And so we kind of realized, hey, law enforcement, law enforcement protects government interest by taking government authority to violate civil rights in order to make a place safe. And we realized this, I mean, literally, Reed and I are having like deep constitutional conversations uh, about this. And then we realized, you know, private security, private security actually operates almost like a civil rights organization in order to protect property rights and individuals' civil rights and civil liberties, right? Mm-hmm. So when, it, when, a, when, a, when, a, when a, a company or a group wants to meet in public, right, and, and organize in public, they don't hire cops, they hire, they hire private security, right? Um, you know, even um, a Planned Parenthood, they don't, re- they don't rely on police officers to make sure that the women that are going in there for an abortion are safe, they rely on private security. That's who's, that's who's protecting people from protesters, right? And so I think what really changed the dynamic for me was the riots. When there were so many riots going on, and this is a whole other conversation, but the rioting and literally the looting and the rioting and the mass burning of major commercial areas in the downtown corridor mm-hmm. made me realize that you know, it's not the job of private security. Private policing is should never really be a thing. Our job are to protect individuals and their rights and their property rights. And when I realized that, then that's that's when I realized that you know, the best thing for a security company to do is to engage in a community and to increase that level of engagement to such a level that the criminal activity that people no longer want to be in that, in that area. So if you have a criminal organization that's selling dope on the block. If you can get people to come outside their apartments or come outside their neighborhoods or walk and you get a lot of people walking the streets and being outside that as you increase that level of engagement, you're going to, those criminal activities are going to lessen because it's no longer a safe or conducive environment for that business model, for that criminal business model to make money, prostitution and drugs. And when people are scared, when they're scared and they're inside and they're afraid to come outside, that security company is really the first step of reenacting or reengaging or, or, or uh, I guess reinitiating that level of community engagement. And that's what we needed to do. I didn't know how to do it, but I know that's, that's what we needed to do. Yeah. For me, back to the point of transition in each other's head of like <clears throat> what it was for us to go from being just everyday security or doing mm-hmm. what we're doing, you know, law enforcement model to where you were at. For me, it was, uh, <clears throat> The, like realizing that it, it, I was making it too hard. I know that sounds dumb, but just on like a, you're talking. Oh, break that, level. break that down. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that you have to do as a cop. You have to, yeah. like, you have to make certain arrests. You know, you do have some, uh, you know, the ability to not make an arrest if you choose not to. There are some things that you can have. There are a lot of cops that do that, right? Yeah. 
But the reality is, uh, as security, there's a lot of things that you have the ability to do. Uh, and one of those things is time. And then the other thing you have is just the, uh, this idea of, you know, I don't have this huge world that I'm responsible for. It's not for. black and white like law enforcement. Well, yeah, but not just that, but I, I, you're not just responsible for this, this whole world or this whole area. You're just responsible for this, this specific thing that you're being hired to do. And uh, I, although that maybe it doesn't feed into the idea that we support the whole community, which we do, and we, we care about the whole community, for me that was a big switch because I was making it too hard. I was, mm. I was thinking yeah. about the, the oh, the lo- the, mm. we, we have to make this arrest or we have to do this or we have to. And it's like at the end of the day, I'm going to be here every day. I'm going to be here every day. Yeah. Maybe I should just focus on getting to know some people. Maybe I should get to know everybody in this complex. Yeah, that's right. Maybe that's a good idea. And and maybe I should, instead of going out and trying to find the bad guy or find the person who's breaking in, like that's all great. All, mm-hmm. all something yeah. we should do, all something we should mm-hmm. be a part of. Maybe, but maybe instead of that, I should go have lunch with people that have lived here for 20 years and talk to them about what, what things would make their their complex better or the neighborhood yeah. better. Yeah. And community so, engagement. Correct. And yeah. we started doing those things to your point. And that was a huge switch for me because it was, it was the simple things that t- built this model. Yeah. It wasn't this, yeah. like, I you're know right. that you're, you're going there, but it was the little things of just going, wait a minute. Yeah. I don't know if I should go there. I, I kind of want to tell the story about how, I, how I, we were, Reed and I were both going down the same path, but I don't even think that we knew no, we didn't even know the road we were going down. To yeah, be but it was a survival. Yeah. So for Reed, it took the form of these meetings and these. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna sit down with these folks and try to figure out what's going on in their neighborhood. And for me, the the switch, the light came on in my mind um, after the shooting. There was an 18. No, I think he just turned 18. Maybe he was 17, 18 for a couple weeks. He was young, either way. Very young. Uh, a clicked up gang member was selling dope in the back of a parking lot, got shot and killed. And we were basically hired because of this incident. Mm-hmm. This led to us getting our second contract. And they basically told us, we need you to make all the gang members go away. And we're like, what do you mean gang members go away? And they're like, well, now they're showing, they basically memorialized this area. And every night, 20, 30, 40, 100 people would show up uh, from a legit, you know, street organization, fire off weapons. And, and it was attracting other gangs. So it was causing more gang conflict. We Reed and I talked about it and we were like, Hey, um, I was told the mom comes by at this time. And Reed and I came up with the idea of buying a white cross as a memorial. And we said, hey, we're going to, and I remember we had to call the owner. The, the property manager was like, we're, you're, we're not doing this. Hell no. I think we're trying to get rid of these way. people. Yeah. You can't put a, they're just going to come back. And I said, hey, look, we're right now they're coming 20, 30 meters into the property uh, to where he died and putting murals on the wall, memorializing this area. We're going to take this cross and we're going to put it off property at the very edge in the corner of the property. We're going to take out a hedge. We're going to put it right there in the corner. And I think that this will actually keep them off property. Let me just try Let me try this. And so 
Rita and I did that. We went and bought a little cross. We had it installed and we waited. Well, we actually had permission. We waited for the, the mom to show up. We knew what the mom was driving and the mom showed up and I, you know, I, we went and bought a whole bunch of items, teddy bears yep. and candles and we waited. And when, when the mom finally pulled up, I ran out of my van and I started putting all the candles and the teddy bears up and she came up, you know, I was in uniform. So I looked like a police, you know, looked like the police from the back. And she's like, Hey, who are you? And she has other male family members with her and they're all clicked up. Her uncle just got out of prison and I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm Alex. I, you know, I'm one of the owners of the security company and I heard that your son died. And so I thought I'd go and, you know, buy all these candles and I bought this rosary and cause I think they're Catholic and, uh, you know, all these, you know, we wanted to just show our appreciation and tell you that we're sorry for your loss. Yeah. And she looked at me, she goes, she started crying and she goes, I'm sorry. I just wasn't expecting that type of reaction from you. I thought you were just going to be like the police. And I thought you were going to throw all this away. I said, no, ma'am, no, we respect your son and we respect you. We would never do that. And then we, t I talked to her for a little bit and then I said, Hey, would you be okay if our company pays for a cross and we put that cross up on the property and you can come here whenever you want to memorialize your son. And she cried. She said, we would love that. And they actually, we actually, they actually prayed over me. And then, uh, they all, we all hugged each other. And the next day we had that cross installed. And from that day forward, not one gang member ever came back on the property. They would just pull up on the side of the street, hang out at the side of the street. And over time that, you know, people forget, you know, this is how, this is how life is. We both lost a sibling, you know, people, they become, they're they're always in our hearts, but sometimes those memories fade for other people. 100%. Right. And, and so these memories fade less and less people show up, but almost overnight, the loud music, all that activity, the cars blocking the way, the gun, all that ended that night because they said, hey, the mom took control, the mm -hmm. matriarch. She said, these people respect my son. You're going to respect their property. And so it's kind of, it's like that. this whole level, uh, I, I know it's kind of weird to say this, but it's that community engagement. When it's done the right way um, and it's strategic and purposeful, it's, it's amazing. That, that was, for me, that was crazy that whole situation and then i mean they pulled they kicked in the door and put a gun in the manager's face yeah they took the manager and beat her up and rolled her over the front of her car just a day prior to this oh i know and i i realized this when on other properties and other contracts that we took the kind of the idea of people actually advocating for us that's right because it wasn't us and them we weren't separate anymore that was that was huge. You're kind of describing that. You're kind of talking mm -hmm, about it, but mm -hmm. that became like a force multiplier that I was not ready for. Yeah, and it completely changed the game for me. To we became a part of the community. We did, and and, and when the I community walk, started advocating for us. Yeah, and when I would walk around, yeah, I actually knew that at any given point in time, when something bad would happen, yeah, there would if anybody from that community was there, they were going to be there for me. 100%. And they knew that from me and there was that trust that and it, and it 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 was we were so enmeshed in these communities. We were so a part of them that we became them. 
Yeah. And then at that point, the people who had no hope, who had no advocate, who had given up on their neighborhood, hid in their houses, and just prayed for things to get better, had at least something to attach themselves to, which was us. But at the same time, we had something to attach, which is them. Yeah. And together, that's what formed really security through community. Yeah, that was us going, hey, (laughs) we're not alone in this thing, Mm -hmm. and neither are you. Let's do this. And Hmm. that's crazy. And looking back at it, it was really organic. And there was a lot of thinking. There was a lot of uh, talking. There was working how to actually do that on a long Definitely intentional. It was intentional. It was intentional. But we were stumbling in the dark. We were stumbling in the dark. (laughs) Intentionally. And and we were learning as we went. Yeah, for sure. And then as things naturally occurred, we followed those patterns to the point of, wow, we're actually being successful. Yeah, and there were times when we we would be like, and I kind of just hinted to this, we're like, hey, we're going to barbecue. We're going to go to this, we're going to go to this neighborhood and we're going to, we're going to throw a barbecue Mm -hmm. and it became a thing. And then next thing you know, they're having, you know, the people there would have barbecues. Oh, it's my son. It's, it's, you know, so-and-so's birthday. We all need to come to the barbecue. And we're like, well, we're not working. We don't really work that at that day and time. Don't care. No, 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 no. We just want y'all to come here. You don't have to be in uniform. Y'all, y'all are family. Yeah. And, and once you become family, um, it transcends. It can really transcend everything. 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 Everything, bro. It really does. And that that's what security really means. You know, if you walk into a group of when you if anyone is in a room of a hundred people and you don't know anybody in that room, your level of apprehension, unless you're a stone stone cold stoic, right? And you have mm-hmm. and you can really control that, you know, you're going to have a level of fear and anxiety that's higher than normal because you don't know anyone in that room. But if you are just put together with one person that knows everybody in that room and they can say, Hey, no, don't worry about that. This is so-and-so that's don't worry about that. So-and-so Nah, they're cool. No, they do this and that. And, and once, once you get to that level where you're building a network of relationships in a community through this community engagement, mm-hmm. the, the level of fear subsides. Yes. It does. It decreases and allows people to then engage each other in that dynamic. And some of this, as I mentioned before, is organic, but a lot of it is intentional. Mm-hmm. I think we call it social dynamics I, influencing. And I think That's that the, a lot of people, a lot of people would say that, well, hey, I can do this. And yeah, people can do it. You can do whatever you want to. But it was really hard and it took yeah. a lot of time. Like extra time where we didn't get paid for it, where we knew that the mission required us to get to know certain people and to build those relationships and to show that it, some people, it didn't matter. They they wanted to know that you were Mm going to put in the time outside of work. Like if you would have only showed up at work, if you would have only just been, Hey, I'm, I'm a professional and I'm here and I'm here for you. No, they wanted to see, is this really just about work for you? Or are Mm -hmm. you actually hear from me. Are you actually a part of the community? And so it was intentional and it took time. It took effort. It took sweat. And what's exciting is to look back at that. And I can, I can't even count on my hands how many people I feel like consider me a son or a brother Mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, a cousin that I didn't know four years ago, but these people would do anything for me. Mm -hmm. Anytime. Uh, recently had a baby. Super exciting. 
I, I can't tell you how many of these these people that we worked with that I didn't know but just built relationships with gave me gifts for my kids because they're a part of my life now. And some of that, like I said, some of that was organic. Reed loves free stuff too. Yeah, love so. it, love it. But some of it was organic, but a lot of it was just straight up like we put in the work. Yeah. And it was intentional. And sometimes we didn't build relationships with certain people in the community because those people were affecting the community. Yeah. And we ostracized them. It was time for them to leave. Correct. And that's right. Sometimes that's a part of yep. security through community too. Yeah. And so I think with all of this, it's been a constant struggle. It's been a lot of work. It's been mm -hmm. organic. It's been planned. But at the end of the day, it's led us to this idea that there is no other way to operate a security company. There's no other way That's to right. be a security guard other than to be intentional about relationships and the people that you're working with and building those relationships clo so closely that they become family and that there's no separation between you and them. It's just everyone. Yeah. I want you to tell me, because I didn't do this. I had nothing to do with this. Okay. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I'm dumb. Okay, that's number one. That's why I didn't do this. Number two, uh, there's this amazing gift that God gives certain people that is called art. The ability to produce art, do art, and I know okay. do art. That sounds super fancy. Uh, I don't have any of that. That's not my thing. Tell me about how you came up with our patch. Oh, this right here. Yeah. So Tell me about it. Um, my, my, my brother, and I've actually never told the entire story. Um, so I don't want to cry, but it is what it is. But my brother was in the military and he did a lot of military sketches, a lot of sketches. He had a lot of sketches and stuff that he had done. And when we got his, um, when the Navy shipped everything, I, I, I was in charge of, um, his will. He, I was, you know, I guess the trustee, mm -hmm. uh, Everything was left to me. So I had to go through everything. And I found a sketch that looked very similar to this. It, so my brother, this is, he was a Navy SEAL and he served in some different task units. And a part of being in a task unit and a leader in a task unit, whether it's a platoon or you're in the Navy, Army, you know, you, you have these different groups, like an ODA group or whatever, a troop, you create patches. And so patches are, they, they really resemble, they're not supposed to resemble, they're supposed to, a patch should speak to who you are Yeah, as a unit. Sure. It's about unit cohesion. And, and so my brother was, I think, drafting some patches. And I don't know how old these were, but it, it looked a little bit like this. And so I thought, man, how cool would it be if I used some of my brother's artwork and then I added my own and created a patch. And so... So break it down for me. Okay, I will break it down for you. Sorry, it's emotional. So, um, my brother had my brother has a best friend, and they uh, he and some other uh, guys that they served with on a company uh, called Echelon Front. And my brother, when he passed away, was he had already put his retirement packet in. And he had already decided to join this team and and to do that work. And at the same time, you know, he was 
I told my brother, hey, I'd, I'd like you to, when you get out of the military, start a security company with mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. And he said, let me think about it. Because um, my friend wants me to work with him. And he, about two weeks before he died, he said, hey, I've decided I'm going to do both. I'm going to do your company, and I'm also going to go work for my, with my friend. And so, and, and kind of to honor my brother and the, his relationship with this guy, I named the company Echelon. And so that's where the name comes from, Echelon Protective Services. I thought that every time I see it, it just reminds me of my brother. And so on, um, on the field here, you'll see there's the American flag, which I think represents my, my core values and the, what I believe in in America and freedom, right? And then we have the lion rampant, which is um, reminiscent of the battle flag of Scotland. I've spent a lot of time in Scotland. I backpacked, uh, kind of lived there for a little bit. And I literally, I've been to Scotland like six times. I spent a lot of time there. And that's their, that's their, in that, in their battle, battle flag, it's a gold field with an orange or red um, lion. And the lion is upright and it's ready to attack in a protective stance. And so I chose that because I thought that this is what it looks like to be a protector. Mm. Right. This is what it looks like. Um, it's not, it's not lunging forward. So it's not attacking. It's just upright in a, in a, in a, in a, in a protective manner. So, so it almost knows that there's an enemy out there. Yeah. It knows there's something out there, Correct. but it's not the aggressor. It's, it's not just the aggressor. Simply ready. Ready. Yeah. Just ready. Always vigilant. And then of course you have, um, the nine stars, which I thought would be reminiscent of our nine core values. And um, so it's wrapped in a banner. I don't, I don't know. I just thought it looked cool as well. It's awesome. It does so, look cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't ready for that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. That's all good, bro. I, I saw that back there. And I'm like, oh, man, we got to talk about that. So we're, we're really here today to kind of highlight who Reed and I are and the purpose of this podcast and, and what we're doing with Ride Along and OPSEC Media Group. And so, you know, OPSEC Media Group is a media group that Reed and I started. Uh, we believe that there's a lot of people in the emergency services industry, including private security, law enforcement, fire, rescue. Their role in, in having a healthy community is sometimes overseen or misunderstood. And so as a media company, we want to highlight the role of that first responder. And within private security, we specifically want to show how private security um, when it's done the right way, can be a force multiplier in public safety. Yeah, tell the stories of the people that, uh, they, I mean, their stories are not being told. I, I can't, I, I didn't know what security did. I didn't know the purpose that it served. And uh, Mall cops, right? There's yeah, mall cops? Yeah, They're rent cops. Blart. Yeah, all blurred. And I think for me, to be able to tell the stories of our people, uh, you know, obviously there's a, a bit of me that's, it's uh, focused on our people, but and not just that, but everybody else who maybe isn't getting the attention out there um, and what they're doing to make the world go round right now. That's right. And I think uh, particularly in the, the, the Portland area, uh, I think there's a lot of outside sources that come in here for a day or two. They show the a bunch of homeless people. They show drugs. They show the shock and awe and that's not what we're trying to do here 
what we're trying to do is to show that there are systems that, that are working. There are people that are working. There's people that are dedicated. There's people that still believe. And to show those people and to praise them for what they do and to put their stories out there. So really the reality is, uh, especially for me, I don't want this to be my thing. Uh, yeah. This isn't about us. Yeah. It's never been about us. In fact, if you ever were to join our company, one of the biggest saying is it's not about you. And that's the truth. It's not yeah. about you. It's about the team. And for OPSEC Media Group and the ride along and everything we're trying to do, our team is the people who can't tell their stories, but we're going to tell their stories. That's right. And it's, it's not only the stories of the individuals we serve alongside. It's the stories of the houseless, the criminals. You know, there's a lot of people on the street. Just a couple weeks ago, we had a guy we had known for three years. He'd been hustling. And by when I mean say hustle, selling dope, pimping girls, right? He'd been hustling for 18 years in a historically rundown area of Portland. And by building this relationship with him through community first, community engagement, security principles, we developed a significant relationship with this individual. And over a period of time, able to convince him to reconnect with family back in New York where he's from. Uh, during this time, he discovered his daughter is actually a pastor of a historically black church. His mother is also a deacon at the same church. And through discussions, we were able to convince him to go back home into New York. And this gentleman's living in a, an apartment. He has, a, he has his own uh, car, own vehicle. He has his own job. And so it's, it's, about, it's about personal transformation. It's about how companies can transform and become something better for the community. But it's also how we as a company transform individuals and transform communities True in that. that same process. True that. Yeah. You're welcome to join us. Reed and I are going to hit the streets, do a little bit of riding along. I'm going to show you Portland. We're going to hit up some training with some Echelon folks. Stay tuned. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, this is going to be episode zero. So we're going to be headed to do some training here in a little bit with our team. We're going to ride around in the van, Alex and I. We're glad you came along. Let's do it. here which is fine uh, the goal of this training is again like some of you uh, tourniquet training you, you want to go over some of the basics and that's great some of you you want to go from the basics to I'd love to apply it I'd love to see what that looks like everybody here raise your hand if you have been or just tell me been through our the the EMT that works for our company and that worked in the ER and did all that jazz have you guys been through his gunshot wound training yep yeah, yeah. Y'all been so everybody's been through that training. In that training, we talk about tourniquets, we talk about gunshot wounds, what that looks like. So we've gone over a lot of the basics of what this is all about, right? So we can cover some of that. Uh, we can kind of do that off camera if we need to. Some of the basics that we covered in that training, but uh, that's the goal of this. So scenario number one is basically just going to be kind of walk, crawl, run type of things, or crawl, walk, run. There we go. And so basically we're just gonna uh, 
start off with, you know, basic, hey, let's, let's try to put this tourniquet on somebody else. Let's just do that. Full senses, full good to go. Let's just practice that a time. few times. Yeah, take your time, ask questions. Familiarization with the tourniquet. Yep. Understanding the injury, finding the injury, placing the tourniquet on correctly, applying the tourniquet. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we'll just kind of work our way up. And again, the goal of this is that when the time comes that you do have to use your tourniquet, yeah, you may not have everything down. You, you may not be, uh, you know, the Special Forces Green Beret that could do it, you know, uh, with one finger and one hand. That totally isn't what we're looking for. We're looking for if there's a community member, somebody that we love out here that's injured or hurt, we're going to be able to save their life. So that's the goal of this, and I do appreciate you all for coming. Boom. I think what you could do is you could get some good shots of them doing like some application of the tourniquet, right? Because that's what we're gonna do. So who hasn't actually done? I haven't done it in a long time. I, I haven't done it in a long time either, but who hasn't done a tourniquet application? Tourniquet application, you've done it. Yeah, You're used to it. Not somebody on bleeding. But you, you've done it, you understand. Okay, so uh, there's a billion different ways to skin a cat, as people say. But I'm just gonna real quick show y'all how I load my tourniquet. Now, I'll tell you that a military person yesterday, oh, let's unlock that for that guy. I got it. A military gentleman yesterday said, hey, by the way, uh, you did that all wrong. And that's the beauty of training and people with opinions is they can say whatever they want. This is just how I know how hey, to Alex. do it. So what I do is I take the tourniquet. This is a one loop. Sometimes you have two, so right? So you have to remember which one you have. And so with the one loop, you're gonna pull that through. And how, what I like to do, the goal is that you get it like this, yes. so you give it plenty of room to where it forms a loop. Other teams and other when you form the loop, how to you put scenarios. it together like that, yeah. and you, you wrap want to edit your, your tourniquet. And that right there is what people call a loaded tourniquet. Yeah, no you can yeah. put that in your pocket, you can put it in your vest, right? And so then when you go to use it, you just pull it open, and it forms straight into a loop. From there, some of the basic principles of tourniquet application. Now, some people like really get in. I'm not. We're not trying to deep dive into. Is it higher dyed? Like some people get really opinionated on this. We've never been opinionated. It's about results, right? So, the goal is that you want to be able to get this tourniquet high or die. You don't want to put it on a joint because it's not going to do anything on a joint. So as high up on the joint as you can. When you're applying a tourniquet, you wanna apply it to where you can have your hand available, to where if you're applying it to yourself, I can apply this tourniquet myself. I don't need another hand. I can go here, I take the windlass, and I can start applying the tourniquet. Does that make sense? If I did this tourniquet application to where the actual string of the tourniquet was this way, it's gonna be a little bit more difficult for me to get to that, that and pull it and see how it's underneath me now. So you wanna apply the tourniquet to having this actually facing you to where if you did get injured yourself, you're doing this, it's right? It's the heart, right? Yeah, that's, that's what a lot of people say. I just say, hey, put the, put the frickin' thing in your direction pretty much, right? So that's that. So the basic principle is really simple, is high or die, you don't apply it on a joint, and you're basically putting it to where you know you have access to this and you can apply it or red to the heart, right? You go there, pull through to where it's cinched. 
And then here's the thing about tourniquets that everybody should know, and, and again, we've already gone over this, tourniquets really hurt. They suck, it's gonna hurt worse than the actual wound. I personally have never been wounded and had a tourniquet applied to me, but I've had several tourniquets applied to me and they, they really do hurt when you put them on there tight and you want them really tight, okay? Some people say that you write the time on here, you do all that, you can. The reality is we're getting the job done and we live next to two very awesome trauma hospitals. Yep. So the reality of writing a tourniquet thing on there and it being you know five hours before they get to the hospital is pretty rare. So uh, the basics is getting that on there to save their life. Some quick things that you go over with tourniquet application. If it's a team member, right, with tourniquets, team members, you're gonna wanna consider a few things. If they're losing a lot of blood and you have a team member that's losing a lot of blood, you're gonna have to make sure that you take their firearm from them. So that's something that you need to remember. Why do we take their firearm from them? Because if they're bleeding out and they're incoherent and they don't know what's happening, sometimes they don't know who you are and they'll assume that you're attacking them, their flight or flight kicks in and they might shoot you with it. So the goal is to, to talk them through, I got you, I'm your team member. And once the app, tourniquet is applied or even before the tourniquet is applied, which I would say after you're taking their gun away from them and securing it to the best of your ability in any kind of like urban street environment. Does that make sense? For a citizen, when you apply the tourniquet, uh, and really in general, this is probably the number one thing that people forget that's super important that I wanna train while we're here. What is the one thing that you get from blood from people? Diseases. Diseases, and we work in a disease-ridden place. Most of the places we work are, are disease-ridden place. So the goal is that we glove up before we do anything. Easier said than done. When you're stressed out and you're thinking about seven different things and the person that you love and know and you know their kids, you know their wife, you know everything about them and they're bleeding and they're gonna die if you don't save them, it's really hard to remember I should probably put on gloves. But it's super important that you do. If it's a community member and you're rushing over there, it's really hard to remember to put on gloves, but you guys gotta do that because you save somebody's life on the street, that's great, but you might've put your own at risk if you don't glove up, so. Question about that. Yeah. I'm assuming under high stress environment, the adrenaline flowing is gonna take anywhere from 20 to 40 seconds to glove up. Is that gonna make a significant impact if they're bleeding out? Like what I wanna, I wanna know, the time difference to put the gloves on, will they die because of that? Uh, that's a, yeah, I would really like that actually. Yeah, I think that's a tough question. Sometimes you can have a very traumatic wound that can sever a, com a complete arm, but the capillaries in the body will cease and pull in and actually stop the bleeding. So the body, when you have a lot of tra traumatic wounds, will actually stop the bleeding itself for some time during that period of shock, right? Um, but it, and then again, it just depends on where they're cut. Is it in an artery, you know? Is it just veins? Is it in the hand? Is it in the arm? It really depends on where, so if it was me, Take I would, time to glove, I up. would glove up yeah. if it was me. Mm -hmm. um, I think that it, that's something that you should do. I think the more you do it, the more you train, you could probably get a glove on in five to six seconds. Probably. If, you, if you're training it and doing it, right? Yep. Cool. And, and that, that's 100% true, you gotta train it. And the more you train it, the more you get used to it. And a lot of people, you know, so I carried two different types of gloves. 
you know, I had gloves for when I was doing things, working with my hands, you know, whatever. And then I had gloves for that exact purpose. Yeah. They were super loose fitting, you know, they weren't, they not like yeah. balloons, but they were, you know, looser fitting to where it wasn't like, you know, like some people, they take 40 seconds to get on their damn gloves and it's not a, yeah. a, a emergency situation. So, um, that's just a, some real basic first things to cover. And, and I say that, and I want to preface that by, we've already done a gunshot wound training and gone over these basics. Right. This is just touching on a few things. So obviously we don't have firearms and things that are going to hurt us because we're training and that's a bad move. Um, so that's really good. Uh, but some things that we work on is if, you, if we don't have a gloves, if we don't have a set of gloves, I want to see you remembering to actually, oh, I'm putting on my gloves, muscle memory. Even if you're not, just muscle memory, I'm remembering to do that. Oh, I'm with a teammate, I'm removing their firearm. Even, if they, even though we don't have firearms right now, right? Removing the, these are things that you work through and are able to speak when you're stressed, that's super important. So uh, it, let's go over, like uh, you said that you haven't really applied a lot of tourniquets. Do you want to apply a tourniquet to Rendon really quick and just try out how that would work? Okay, so Rendon, your arm's injured, you're down. So I'm gonna sh again, just really quick show you how to load it. Yeah. So what you're gonna do is you pull out and make a, a pretty decent loop, okay? You take that and fold it over itself, right? And then you move it back and put it through and you've got your tourniquet. That's not perfect, it could be more perfect, but that's a really basic version of it, okay? Perfect. And then when you're go to, ready to apply it, You've already got your loop, and you apply it to Rendon, and you remember you get it to where you can do the work, right, and then go from there. So I'll let you do that. There you go, yeah, perfect. That should be plenty. Wrap it over, and then Rendon's got shot right here, or he's got a wound right here. So you're gonna apply it, and you remember the basic rules, high or die, meaning I want to put the tourniquet as high as possible. Very nice. There you go. Very nice. Yep, cinch that sucker down. There you go. Excellent. Plenty. And then windless once and twice. And lock it in. And then there you go. And then wrap that through and you're good. Or you can leave it like that. That's perfect. There you go. Cool. Now, uh, I think that was a really good application. Yeah, that was really good. It's exactly what you're looking Very for. Smooth. That was smooth, yeah. Yeah. Very smooth. If I get shot. You just saved Brendan's save life. Thank anybody you. else like to yeah. go over that or is everybody good? Does anybody else want to just apply a tourniquet real quick just to kind of get that this out of the way? This will be part of the scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're here for scenario training. This is pre-training. You want to try it? Okay. Uh, do you want to apply a tourniquet to Brittany? Is that okay? Okay. So. Brittany got shot in the left arm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, I got you. Okay, so what you're gonna do is, this is how the tourniquet is, or this is how the tourniquet is, right? It's all jacked up, so you're gonna go here, and you're gonna make yourself a nice little loop, okay? Usually the size of the tourniquet. Put it back over, wrap it through, and your tourniquet's ready to go, okay? So, you pull it open and it should pull open to a loop for you. Yep. Yep. Very nice. Very nice. Yep, just like that, bro. And so she got shot in her left arm. 
Left arm. That's right arm. Left arm. You got it. You got it. You got it. And whereabouts? Yep, and right there. So should I glove up? So I'm gloving up. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chopping off the shirt. Yeah. So you got higher die right. So that's obviously a joint. So like somewhere as high as you can get before you get to the joint. It's all good. And you're gonna wanna get it to where you can, you can get to it. So when you apply it, you'll wanna apply it to where it's just right there so you don't have to find it, okay. right? So uh, there you go. And, and good also, call, bro. Yeah, in case you have, you might have three other injured people. Yeah. This might be just one of the injured at a mass casualty event. So you want, you want that windlass facing the victim because maybe you didn't put it tight enough. Right. And so maybe the injured person can say, oh my gosh, I'm still bleeding, and they can tighten it themselves. Yeah, exactly. So you, you always want it so that, that in the individual with the tourniquet on has access to tighten it further. Excellent. There you go, buddy. And then just do, yep, one turn. It's not gonna hurt that bad. It's, she's gonna be okay. And then two turns, boom. Nope, and that's good. And so what you do is you tuck it in, tuck it in right there, call it a day, and then loosen it up. It's good. Okay. Yep. Boom. There you go, B. Okay. There you go, bro. You got the ba kind of the basics yeah, now? Yeah, I understand. Luskin, you good? Sure, I'll try. Okay. Bam. You want to try it? Sure. All right. Uh, I Ooh. shot my right arm. Yeah, shot your right arm? Yeah, I need, I need assistance. How you doing? I think we're supposed to cut your shirt off. Yeah. Medic is a naked game, right? Yeah, it can be, yes. <laughs> it's supposed to be. Michael Bach says you're supposed to be naked. There could be more wounds. You know what, and that's why Michael Bach is the specialist, my friend. Nope, two. Oh, you could you could do it. The reality is, what what we think is tight is not tight. It's not tight. You want to put that thing on tight. Yeah. Okay. But you were asking what would hurt me. Crank yeah, long term. Yeah. No more, and then you're, and you're gonna try to do it even more after right. it doesn't crank no more. So yeah. What's up, Petrie? Uh, okay. So the first scenario, uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna just talk it out. We're gonna make it super basic. So your teammate's gonna be laying on the ground, you're gonna roll up, and you're gonna go, go through the basics. Glove up, make sure they don't have their firearm, or make sure that you remember to remove their firearm from them because of blood loss. Make sure you're putting on the tourniquet, doing your thing, making sure you're checking your surroundings, and that'll just be it. But just real basic teammate, we're gonna really just kinda dry run that. So, uh, Rendon, if you wanna come in and be the, the down teammate, that would be awesome. We're gonna use Rendon's leg, and I'll just give you a leg for starters, and then that'll be the first scenario, and then we'll pop into the second scenario. So anybody that wants like a, just kind of like a dry run, we can do that. Um, Does anyone want to dry run with the tourniquet? Do you guys want to dry run with the tourniquet stuff, or are you guys good, or? I, I, I feel like we're putting you on the spot because you. No, he, 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 we're gonna blur him out. Uh, okay. So you're gonna go first, we're gonna go over there, uh, and we already talked this through, so you got this. 
So you're gonna have to feel out where he where he's bleeding. You're actually gonna feel where he's bleeding. So here's yeah. And the recommendation that I have is when you go into that that area, yeah, be careful and don't just sprint because there's things, obstacles, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, so and you won't be able to see. So don't hurt yourself, right? Okay. All right. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna run over there, do our jumping jacks, I'll spin you, and then we'll go. All right, ready? Go. Alright, let's do this, bro. Help him. Ten jumping jacks. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right, let me put this on really quick. All right, you ready? Yep. All right, I'm gonna spin you around a couple of times. Spin you around a couple of times, and go help him. Let me undo it. Don't mess up his hair, bro. That's the best part. You good? Yeah. Awesome. Okay, yeah, good, good job. You good, brother? All right, let's take it off. That was a perfect application, bro. Yeah. All right, let's take that off. Oh, was that tight? My bad, my bad. No, it's okay. It's supposed to be tight, right? Very good. Brendan, good screaming, bro. Oh, my God. No. Oh, geez, that was a little loud. I was going to say, I think we're going to get called by the police. Yeah. That sounded miserable. You gotta stay there though. Okay, so we're gonna do a quick little after action. Uh, dude, your hair looks awesome. So let's talk. Here, everybody come over real quick. We'll talk. How did it feel? Real. It felt real? Yeah. Felt a little like, little amped up? I was like, for a yeah, a little, little bit of like, I don't, I'm not sure what to do. I heard Alex in there, hey man, find the wound, find the wound. Yeah. These are internal things that we tell ourselves. You gotta tell yourself that. So, question. We went over some basics. One of them was high or die. You killed it. Good job. You got high or die, 100%. What was one of the basics you didn't do? Gloves. Or cut his pants. <laughs> it's going to be yeah. a thing. You're going to freak okay. Yeah, it's okay. But just remember that. If, if that was a team member, I get it. Yeah. You know, sometimes you take that risk. But the reality is just it's going to be hard when you're stressed to remember, oh, crap, i got to put on my else? gloves. Yeah. So... It's it's good that you're you, you, okay. You, you when you initially entered, you found him, which was good. You you were able to locate him according to sound, right? You went immediately for his left leg, and you kept on that left leg, and you expected him to give you feedback as to where he was shot or where the wound was. Now, a lot of people who are shot are going to be in shock. They might think they're shot in their chest. They might think they're shot multiple times. Right, so don't always assume that the person who's injured is gonna know where all the injuries are. <clears throat> because it's, it's, it's likely there's more than one injury. Wouldn't you agree? 100%. So 
keep, keep padding down. Now, we told you he's only going to be injured on the leg, but, you know, they could have another injury. So just because you think you finished it, once you get that tourniquet on, keep looking. Keep looking for more of that, you know, spongy feeling. Looking for work. That spongy wetness. Yep, right? yep, yep. Good job, though, yep, bro. Excellent. That was honestly handled amazing. So that was really good. Uh, anybody else like to go, or would it, we can leave it at that? Would anybody else like a shot and just see what that's like? Yeah. Like a shot? Hell yeah, okay. I'm gonna talk to Rendon. Uh, should he cut so much? Yeah, he's good. Okay. We're good. This is, we're acting. We're filming. Okay. Is there anybody that's over there that's gonna hear him screaming that maybe loud? The, maybe the Narcan people. <laughs> the Narcan clinic. Oh, they're thinking somebody's getting fucked back here. Yeah. <laughs> hey, buddy, you good? Yeah. Okay. Oh, geez, dude, you got him more wet? My God, son. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that's good. Um, is that what you guys look for? Come down. That was fucking awesome. Oh, that was crazy. Yeah, that was that was really stressful. It was making me stressed. When he asked like, you where your shot, you're like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I fucking know. I'm, I fucking hurt. Yeah. Dude, I can pass out from one box too, right in the middle of it. Actually, yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I'm gonna freak out in the beginning. Yeah. You should pass out like shock. That's good. Yeah, that is good. Yeah. No feedback. Yeah. That's good. Cause. You can't trust someone's feedback. The fuck no. Now, it's a team member, but even a team member, you're not going to be, gonna be, yeah. gonna be Dude, shocked. if I got shot out of here, I'd cry and freak out and be like, it's everywhere. I just shit myself. I just shit myself. Yeah. Okay. That's funny. Brittany, uh, same thing. Good to go. Just remember some of those basics. You know, obviously, like what Luskin's saying and Bach always says, it's done. The, 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 it's a naked sport, right? But we, we're not gonna cut off our teammates' pants during scenario training. But obviously working through that, working through the basics of hire, die, and working through the basics of like, um, you know, making sure you glove up, all that's important. If you don't do anything, that's okay. Like if you miss all of those, that's good because we learned, we got better. So uh, whenever you're ready, you ready? All right, let's do it, here we go. Got a teammate that's been injured, he's calling for backup. Let's do a couple jumping jacks. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right, I'm gonna put on a blindfold. There we go. And then I'm gonna spin you around a little bit. Spin, spin, spin. And go help Rendon and don't hurt yourself. I got you. There's the door. Go ahead. Come Good job. Good job. Work through it. Work through it. Yep. Work through it. Good job. and just do it. Yeah. Got it. In scenario. Good job. Good job. Good job. Hey, well done. Did it scare you when he randomly started screaming again? Here, hold on. No, okay. Yeah. What did you think? I was definitely worried about tripping better than that. It was good. Did you build your confidence a little bit by actually knowing that you can do this blindfolded and disorientated? Yeah. That's awesome. You okay? Yeah, your yeah. your no, legs your legs good. Yeah, okay, fun, good. Well done. Like honestly, you good took job, you really did a good job.
Well done. Would anybody else like to go? You want to go? Okay, cool, man. And Bobby, right? Bobby, cool. Yeah. Let's go ahead and give her some good feedback. I think that's great. Is that right? Let's do that over here. Yeah, come on. Everyone deserves to, to hear directly from the instructors. Yeah, it's really important. 100%. <laughs> Number one, super smooth. Oh, yeah. Super smooth. You're, you weren't shaking at all. You were in there. You were taking your time. You were, it, was, it was very intentional and very smooth, which, I mean, she was, I mean, I was like shocked. I think, I think the thing was is that you came into it with such a confidence. Yeah. You're like, you know what? I, this is my first time doing something like this. I got this. Went in there, went after it. And then, yeah, when he, so it actually scared me when he started screaming and you just powered right through it. Yep. You didn't like, so a lot of people, they'll enter like an OODA loop or they'll, they'll, they'll stop for a second to pause and try to get their brain to catch up to what's happening. Nope, just straight through it. That was awesome. You also remembered to glove up. That's right. That's the first time that's happened, and you checked uh, both legs at the boom. same time. Yes, you did. boom. You didn't boom. just go for one leg. You were like, boom. Did you found it, and then you double confirmed with both hands, and then you yep. went for your turn to kick. So that was awesome. What did you think? Like feedback wise, like what? Honestly, it was just mostly. Um, I noticed that I messed up with the turn to kick. I got caught in the, the loop. You worked so right through it. Free, yep. Yep. Free yeah. You feel confident though, compared to like. That's good. Could you do that tonight? Yes. Okay. That's what matters. That's all that matters. Yeah. Good job. Well done. Thanks, B. Okay. You about ready? Cool. All right, man. So, call teammates injured. Let's go. Teammates been shot. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right. I'll spin you around here in a second as you cover this face. All right, help him, help him, help him. Find your teammate. Where you at? Where you at, buddy? Okay. Where you at, buddy? Okay. scenario. Good job, awesome. bro. That was great. Dude, those were the fastest jumping jacks I ever thought yeah. could be humanly possible, bro. Yeah, good That's work, so man. Way to take it serious, dude. Yeah. Good stuff. Thanks, Brendan. Hey, man. Great work. Dude, you have the loudest scream of anybody I think I've ever heard. That was so realistic, dude. Jeez. Yeah. All right, let's after action. Left after, after action real quick, bro. If you want to stand like over there, that would be super helpful. Uh, okay, what do you think? It's a little harder when you can't see. It is a little harder bit harder when you can't see. At least identify the leg. That was yep. the biggest 
Yeah, I think you did good on that. I, I, don't, I don't think that was a trip up. I think you did good. Was there anything that you feel like, man, I forgot that or I should have done that? Gloves. <laughs> say, yeah. Yeah, 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 I got I you, bro. Yeah. You're like, oh, I got my gloves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do I do with my hands? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good, bro. Um, I, first off, confidence was awesome. Yep. Uh, you went into it. Uh, it's obviously like, you know, you can't see, it's hard, but you know, you said you had trouble identifying. I felt like you did really well. I felt like you went in and you immediately started identifying yeah. and you didn't really hesitate. So I, I don't think that was a poor spot at all. I think you did good. Mm -hmm. What is your feedback? Uh, the, the sense I had was that, especially with, with your scenario, it was about the victim. It was less about your hesitation, your fear, your concern, that you didn't have, that you were lacking the sense of sight. I could tell that you were there for Rendon. Yeah. And I could feel that. Does that make sense? Yep. I don't know how I could feel it. It's a gut thing, but you could see it. When you see it, you know it. And I commend you for that because I feel like that you were there to help him. You know? Um, again, you were smooth, uh, really quick as well. That was the first time he took a different position. He's been on, on the wall on his back the whole time. I think that you probably had the hardest because you had to find the wound, which was on his thigh, um, but he was upside down. So you did a great job there. Um, what else? I think it was good. Yeah. I think it was really, really good. I think you did a good job, bro. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Love Appreciate it. it, brother. Appreciate yeah. you. Yeah. Thanks, bro. Good work. All right. Uh, so, yeah. Future scenario trainings where we say, hey, we want to show up and have people film, they probably won't be like this. We're not going to do, like, I mean, some of them will be. But some of them will be like, hey, you're going to arrest somebody, work through arresting somebody. Yeah. Uh, some of you guys are the ones that teach that. A lot of you, actually, which is great, right? Uh, but some of them might be, hey, you're arresting somebody, and then somebody else tries to intervene. Like, so it's not always going to be like this. So if you guys want to continue, the reality is, is that if we do some of these, and I know Osmond's pushing this big time, is a lot of the feedback we've gotten from our people is, hey, these scenario trainings are great. Can we take it up a notch? Like, can we make it a little bit more like realistic, a little bit more like we want more? We can totally do that. But as a company, we have to start working our way through the basics because it's just like basketball. All you do is know how to shoot three-pointers, but you can't dribble. What's the point? So that's what we're going to do. So thank you so much for showing up. Yeah, that was yeah, awesome. Thank you for yeah. putting on the class. It was yeah, awesome. totally. yeah, it's a good time. Do like a jump high five? Yeah. Go! Go yeah. echelon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. I feel like I feel like you could turn yourself into an anime character pretty easily. Easy. Yeah. Two seconds.